Welcome to the Event Room, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hey, what's up, brew crew, all our homies out there in the interwebs. This is Will Kern from Endless Events. This is not Dustin Wessling because your name is supposed to be second, but I'll do it anyway. This is Nick Brelli from uh, Brelli Strategies. <laughs> this is Dustin Wessling with One West Events. <laughs> new decade, new tea. This is Tui with PRA Business Events. Oh, man. man we're all we're together. Both... This is so all unusual. Together. This is, I know we like everyone's probably been missing everybody and they're like man no, no one's all together but uh it was the good tough news is, the holiday season yeah it's always it's always tough we're all so busy we all have lives we're all also event professionals so we are the mercy of our clients in some ways well uh too you brought up new tea new year new tea let's talk about what we're drinking real quick what tea, what tea you got going on right now too so whoa say that seven times fast <laughs> what tea you drinking too oh my god so for Christmas, I got one of those fancy um, tea kettles that you can track the, depending on what type of tea, it tells you what temperature you can put it at. So like 180 degrees, 195, you can hold mm. it. It's like super tech savvy, fancy. And then Is it the I- one, like the Breville one that like, that the, drops like automatically into your tea kettle? No, it's it's called um, Kosuri, I, I believe. It's the black okay. one with the big long goose neck. Um, you can even have like an app and, and, you know, turn it on and everything. I got a fancy tea. Uh, you, no one can see it, but I just wanted to show you guys. <laughs> and then I received a bunch of these David teas, like loose leaves. So I've upgraded to loose leaf teas now. Yes. Mm -hmm. What are you, what are you drinking? Well, um, I'm uh, drinking, I think the first time I'm, it's made an appearance on this podcast, it's kind of weird to say that about my tea, um, but a white coconut cream tea um, that I picked up from Art of Tea uh, about two years ago. It's one of my favorites. It's like kind of creamy, kind of coconut-y, and it's a nice, light, and refreshing. So one of my favorites for sure. What about you, Dustin? What what do you got? What you got going on in your Nick cup? Nick and I both look horrified at the sound of your tea. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> All of it sounds so yeah. complex and uh, yeah, it's a it's a, a crisp uh, minus thirty uh, here in Calgary today. It's very very cold, so I am just warming up to the the office Keurig coffee. Nothing fancy for me again. My apologies, everyone. Yeah, I'm in uh, Fahrenheit land, uh, so it is uh, 18 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, if someone's doing the math at home, I don't know what that is. Uh, that's the first thing I do when I go to a hotel in Canada is press the button that switches uh, the Celsius to Fahrenheit so I know what's going on. Um, but, How cultured uh, of you. <laughs> yeah, I just refuse to be in the place I'm at. Um, my, uh, I went from, because it's cold, I went from coffee to the beverage I'm having right now, which I'm asking all of you not to uh, hate the game, but hate my game fuel, uh, which is brought to you by Mountain oh, Dew. Man. And it is a... Uh, 
charged <laughs> tropical strike, which sounds like a very American drink. Like it sounds like a kind of an operation to like bomb some nice place, a uh, charged tropical strike. Um, so I guess I can own that part of it. But um, yeah, it doesn't taste tropical in as much as it uh, it tastes functional. You know, you know something really interesting? I realized this group pretty much defines what people usually drink in the events industry. I realized because I know people who just only drink energy drinks. And I'm like, you're crazy. That's horrible for you. And you, I agree. you all make fun of them. And then, like, obviously, there's people like me who are, like, super into it, who are, like, super into t- teas and, you know, altern- like, alternative drinks and things like that. And then you're like, Dustin's like, coffee, black. Yeah. Will, you can get off your tea high horse. I saw you drinking a Mountain Dew at the <laughs> hockey game in Phoenix. So <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're talking about. One, oh, that was true, mean, but it was also like it was such a long day and it was and I can't get like fresh loose leaf tea at a Arizona drink hockey Mountain game. Dew? Maybe maybe Arizona, in LA we can. I, I thought Arizona is like the the place where you get tea. Like they have that famous tea that is uh you know probably really uh that's just sugar you know. <laughs> arizona tea you know they don't even brew that they don't even brew it. it's like a coca-cola Lunch. product brewed in like yeah, yeah somewhere else but no yeah I, I normally would i'm i'm realizing though like i think we talked about resolutions I'm, this is kind of off topic but um you like if you want to drink better like things you need to build like a habit like movie theaters for example i have to drink like either really sugary tea or soda because there's no other option available but you I got to figure out some habits. So, all right. No more Mountain Dew at hockey games. Saying it right now. Rough, rough. Yeah. All right. So, what we're, so well, we're not talking to a special guest, but we're not talking today about Mountain Dew <laughs> and what we're drinking all day, even though this is the Event Brew Show. Today, we're talking about controversial speakers, mantles, all the recent news that's been breaking recently. Oh, my gosh. Nick, why don't you hit us with what's been going I, on in the news and maybe well, uh, start I off a little set, bit of history lesson. Yeah, I guess I, I want to do the a real broad thing first and then get into the more specifics. Broadly speaking, um, once you crest over a certain like scale of event, I don't know if there really is anyone who isn't controversial at all these days. Like I think everyone is. Like every decision is. It's a calculated risk. Um I remember in like 2016, 2017, asking people on my Facebook account, uh, and I'm like, I try to stay really politically neutral um, when I'm online and then face to face, I have no problem, you know, going completely telling you what I believe just because I just find that the Internet's a poor place for that. So that said, I said, hey, would you planners who are the people that predominantly follow me on Facebook, um, would you host an event at a Trump location? you know, neutral. I was like, I was just curious and people went crazy, you know? And I'm like, so you can't say a word and not get an extreme response. Right. And, and not only that, like there were people saying, you know, the the worst things, the best things. Uh, and then there were people like, it's just too, like, it would be too distracting. Right. So I think that like, there's a lot of different takes on what associating your event in any way with, with a cult of personality. Uh, and I think that there's just no real way for people in this busy world to not differentiate themselves by taking a stand on, on one side or the other of, of enough things. So like, I will first say like, I think all keynote decision-making um, at a certain scale is, has some level of controversy. It could be minute, it could be huge. So uh, I just think that's where we're at right now. 
I think you bring up a good point. You're always going to piss someone off. Like, <laughs> Brant and I did a presentation on 5G technologies. And there's going to be, even though, like, we aren't, like, network engineers, cellular technology, you know, geniuses, we're here to distill, like, some complex things into a little bit simpler knowledge. There's always going to be that one person, oh, they didn't talk about the, the spectrum of this and this and that. And, oh, my gosh, they're the worst speaker ever. Downrate. Right. And they're going to say they're horrible. We're horrible. When in reality, it's like, OK, well, you're always going to kind of piss someone off, even if it's not controversial. It's sometimes there's just always someone's going to have an opinion. Right. What do they say everyone's uh, opinions. That's like assholes. Everyone has one. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that like people's values anymore are so tied into um, everything uh, and they can't divorce themselves with any kind of association of one value uh, with another person. So like if one person, it, it, you know, believes one thing that isn't even what we're talking about, it, it's like you have to boycott and ban it and can't be associated with it. Even like the idea of people's favorite actors or musicians, you know, like I like their music, but you know, like they were this way with kids or, you know, when before they after they did Thriller or something, uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, being able to divorce the artist from the, you know, the uh, the art. Uh, and I think that, like, people just can't do that anymore. I think that they're intrinsically tied. Um, and because of that, like, it's just everything comes with. Uh, a caveat like everything must be weighed and there's no freebies and there's no like let's just not think about this or dig in um and because of that uh we're in a situation where um you know uh, people bank one of the most recognizable aspects of, of attendance of events on their keynote speakers and that's a human being who can say anything in any given moment so you both just gave away the whole plot line to the good place on Netflix. Really? Yes, that's the whole entire concept Never seen it. Of, of The Good Place. <laughs> well, it's basically well, everyone's tied into, you know, like everyone's, it's harder to get into The Good Place because everything is tied into something. Even myself. I love Chick-fil-A, but I don't believe in some of their values. And so it's like the struggle, but their chicken is so good. Anyway, so I shared an article with everyone when it came out. It was a Meetings Net article on January 2nd. And it was, read this before booking your next speaker. The whole industry was going bananas over this because the CES announced that Ivanka Trump was going to be the keynote speaker. And it was like, shared it with everyone and then like just sat back and then sipped some tea because it was so interesting, all the dialogue that was happening. Yeah, um... I mean, my gut reaction is uh, the, the safest gut reaction I have to this initially is not a natural mm -hmm. fit. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. Like when I think before tech. I think about the 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 politics behind it, the first thing I thought of is why the hell is she speaking at CES and and is this yeah. is this more about maybe this is about creating controversy and conversation and and you know I think that you know I don't I think that whole family's a bit a, a bit offside in a lot of ways to put that really gently but but I think you know Ivanka ran a ran a really successful business prior to all this craziness and I don't I I just I it's not about her I, yeah not it's, it's not business. about her personally I just don't understand why she's speaking there and and I think it kind of goes back to Nick's point a little bit about about you know she's she's a controversial figure and you have to wonder if that played into the decision to bring her on board you know what I, well, I think it was actually 
everyone this whole mantle situation and this was their potential solution to bring on a female and it was the wrong in a lot of people's cases like it was just a big no good not even good try but yikes and Tui, what's a mantle a mantle i want to set you up for this i know it but Uh, (laughs) well no 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 jargon jail yeah yeah oh yes yes yes. Will, will inspires me so Mantle is, has been, we've been talking about a couple episodes now where it's a, a panel of, of men and there's been a lot of issues in the past because it's not going into diversity. There's not that much representative of females uh, up on stage, especially since a majority of this industry is made by females. And so Nick, I know one thing I'm like, I always actually brag about you because I say, I know in your contract, you, you have a, 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 percentage right you put in your contracts that you want it to be split or something it's yeah it's it's a little bit more open than that it it says that the if i'm going to be on a dais and a panel um then i require um the uh, planner to do their due diligence in order to make diversity a priority and if i believe that they have not made diversity a priority then i will exclude myself to make room for someone else who should be there Yay, Nick. Plus, I'm fine. You know, like, I don't need it. <laughs> so, you know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Well, I can just, just, you know, and I hate panels on top of it. <laughs> so, like, there's one more reason. Uh, and, we, and, we, and we can't, like, necessarily talk from, like, our hard horse 100%. And granted, like, I'm the one who helped select this group of people. But, like, hi, Nick and hi, Dustin. And thank you, Tui, for, for being representative in this. But we, we obviously, as Event Brew, recognize where we are coming from when saying this as well so we're yeah we're not necessarily perfect gender is is one you know component of diversity obviously there's lots of other angles Uh, in the tech world the reason that gender specifically is a very important thing is that um, it is a challenge industry-wide at all levels uh, to have adoption of uh, women into their workforce which requires uh, visible thought leaders for attraction um and to be able to have female voices guiding ships in order to um, diversify their entire industry. So it's it's not it, it's it's even more important that that specific line of diversity is met in that industry because they have huge failings historically. Like even if you look at, you know, fairly on paper progressive organizations such as like, let's say, Facebook or Google, like they lag way behind in other industries um, when it comes to gender balance because, you know, they claim that the attraction to that, to the people who can code, uh, has never really been historically there. Uh, so they have had to invest in education at the, at the earliest levels in order to create an industry that is more diverse and sustainable, um, you know, at that, at that point. So uh, that's why I think of all levels of diversity, CES, has to emphasize um, a gender balance um, so so importantly, and yet they fail. Well, I have a kind of a question to ask you guys to see what you guys think. But like, at what point though, too? Like, I get the idea that someone is not an authority to speak on a topic they get brought in. I think that has almost less to do with the controversy of it um, as well. Obviously, this one is the person's controversial, plus the fact that they definitely weren't knowledgeable in that topic uh corner by even though i guess technically you know the white house trying to defend and be like oh she's in charge of our technology stuff and all this whatever yada 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 you can 
you can decide whether you think she's authority. But my question to you guys is what point should we be pushing, though, for planners to bring in outside opinions outside of our own? Because like far too often, it's like a silo of like associations bringing in people just talking about the things that they want to hear about when in reality, like maybe it's time. Granted, they have to be knowledgeable, come from fact based stuff, all these things like that, not be a, a jerk. But like when should we be challenging our clients to bring in more controversial speakers? I, 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 Dustin, you're kind of like nodding your head. What do you kind of um, think? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that there's, or I don't agree. I think that there's, you know, PCMA was a great example of that. They did their, um, their convening leaders, um, event in San Francisco just a couple weeks ago. And they had Condoleezza Rice as their closing keynote, who really has very little to do with, with the, the, the industry that PCMA represents, but she had a, she had a great story and she had a great message that everybody should hear in business. Um, whether you're in the, the event or travel tourism industry, or you're just a human being on this earth. And I think balancing those out is, is there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, and I think people should do that more often. I, I, I do find that often our, our event industry specific conferences were just we're just talking about events. We're not, we're often not talking about the big world outside of events. And, and then we all start learning in a silo and we, we then wonder why we can't, why we can't run with the rest of the world. And, and I, I wonder if those two things are, are related. So you hmm. might be back on, on the whole, like hiring speakers. When I was director of education, that was my main goal is to source and vet speakers and I think a lot of times people in our industry forget that just because you're good at something in your in your niche doesn't mean that you're a great speaker on stage and so that would that's something that's really important like especially you know you could be great in security and safety and you're you know high up and you have that knowledge but can you really like captivate an audience and have those skill sets exactly tell that story and to really because that in itself is a skill set and so that's i think our industry gets gets lost in and just actually hiring speakers that are speakers not someone that's just great at their job um so going back ivanka trump talked about the path to the future of work and nick you shared an article about just how that went what was your thoughts i i read uh, two or three, and it was. It's it's rare that I get to word read the word milk toast so frequently. <laughs> the, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a word I use. Yeah, please define yeah, this. Coconut creamy a, coconut tea <laughs> milk toast. It's a word that I use, but I rarely write because it, it like looks weird. So that's why it jumped out at me. But it, it, it's just a way of saying like a nothing thing, mm-hmm. you know, like like a like a placeholder waste of time. Um, and I think that like. Anyway, everyone was like a real controversial, like all the articles leading up to it, they're like, this is such a controversial thing. And like, what does this mean? And then at the end of it, they were like, well, that was just sort of happened. And you didn't really say anything. It was not only was it like extremely safe. Um, Sorry, you guys, my gong went off my my gong. Sorry about that. that, Do I have to come off the stage now? (laughs) Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Seed my time. Uh, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so it was just like uneventful. So to me, like... I think that they they probably knew that because I was like, oh, maybe they're doing that because they're going to announce some kind of initiative. And she is like some kind of, you know, like so I would see like leading up to that, I would see like maybe that was the point. And there wasn't a point. So I'm like, I think the point was the PR stunt 
uh, hiring of her to be able to say maybe they came from a really misguided place of like, um, see, we have women, we have Ivanka mm-hmm. Trump. Or it was a stunt to say, look, the technology industry, uh, the, the tech industry itself and uh, the current um, U.S. administration are at odds. We're going to do this as an olive branch, as a, uh, you know, like some way to get people talking again so they can say, like, well, look, we had a member of their um, I have no idea what she is, an advisor, uh, you know, there, some someone in this uh, royal family that we've elected um, that was there. So technically we're, you know, we're doing something like that. Maybe that was it. Or maybe it was just to get PR noise. So I, I will tell you this. I um, I used to work for a company that, that, that worked with CES. So I worked for a company called Showstoppers. Uh, produces uh, trade show events associated with CES, IFA Berlin, IFA uh, China, Computech and Mobile World Congress, so consumer electronics shows. It was the day before uh, the show, and the only people who were allowed to come to our event um, the day before the big shows, and it was coordinated with, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, off the books, uh, were um, journalists. So all I did was vet journalists um, and and help them create the stories they needed based on uh, matchmaking them with uh, the people at these shows. Like that was part of my job as the vetting as well as the marketing. And I can tell you that all of them are looking just for an angle of why they were there. So to be able to use, you know, the only word that seems to get everyone to pay attention to news these days, which is Trump, um, I think that maybe it was how do we make a splash on Twitter, which, you know, frankly, is is dominated by him. I think that I think it was a PR move um, and then everything leading up to it was was the dog and then the tail was the presentation. I agree. Mm, Interesting. Very interesting. Those moves are made too, like because I I, I hung out with the journalists the entire time at the shows too because they have their own stage and they make announcements like every 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how, you know, like there's there's news happening at CES the entire time. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's they're in a constant, constant battle for attention. And I think the show itself needs to do some big splashes, too. And in a world right now where there's only a few things that really get the attention of people. Um, I think that they can, you know, they can for good or for bad, try to, you know, play it sort of neutral by like, we didn't, you know, we didn't say that we are, you know, on board with them, but we just gave them an opportunity. Um, I think that they, you know, again, they get the attention that they were looking for. And that could be a reason why a company, an organization would do that. You just have to really know you, your audience. Do you One think, is there, and now I don't, I don't fully understand all the, the inner workings of CES and I've gone to the show and if you ever want your mind blown, go to the CES trade show. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, it's crazy. but do you think that there was any, any other reason that they might've chosen her? Is there any reason for them to need a friend in politics? Is there like, do they, do they advocate, do they push yes. agendas in any way that having, having her ear and being in good with the Trump family would serve them? Possibly and possibly their, their stakeholders, um, because I I have no idea. And then they probably wouldn't publicize this of, um, while she was there that there's 0% chance that she just did that and got off. Like likely there were meetings with high level people. Um, all the high level CEOs of any kind of tech organization are there and, and having private meetings the entire time. Was there a summit that took place? Uh, there have been a number of summits with technology companies and the Trump administration previously. Um, it's oh, yeah, um, 
you know, it's a big part of, you know, uh, American jobs are a big part of his platform and, you know, having the quote unquote job uh, creators uh, in a sector that we, you know, still have dominance in globally. So I don't know, you know, I, I think that there, that I, I wouldn't discount the fact that it was a political move to buy. I mean, I, I think that this administration is pretty transparent that if you are saying mm -hmm. nice things about it, you get favors. Mm hmm. I think um, an interesting point to think about as well with this is not only I think that's so smart to think like that. Yeah, well, if there's a larger strategy, it's just then her be making an appearance. Um, but also the fact that who she actually did the the actual panel with um, and or not the panel with the presentation, but it was uh, with Gary Shapiro, who's the president of CES, basically the the Consumer Technology Association, which is like the association that plans. They, they had to, right? Like, I um, mean, imagine imagine how much risk mm -hmm. there is putting another human being up there, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah, like anyone would be able to like throw away their business for a chance to talk directly to somebody in you know a tangential piece of power to be able to make them speak to their specific issue. Like, it's really savvy to just say. Um, not only do we, you know, give them the respect of the highest person that we have, but also like we can, you know, th there's no rogue element that's going to happen there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Any other thoughts on controversial speakers for today's episode? Uh, Dustin, I know that you've like been, um, as Tui has actually, maybe, maybe you have as well. Well, in, in association world, um, been part of the process of, of selecting speakers um do you when you look at feedback do when do you like the people who have um some ones and some fives let's say versus the just the fours and fives group yeah does that make sense no, when for i say sure. that i i think that um I, yeah, I think that if you get a few ones and a few fives, you probably hit the balance perfectly. Um, I don't, I don't personally go out and look for controversial people. Um, I could think of, I could think of a few yeah. names off the top of my head. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah. I send him my love. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't go out and, and, and find controversial people. I, I want, I want it to be timely. I always think to myself, what can this person do that is going to immediately help improve somebody's business or personal life? And I look for I look for people that can can you know we 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 often put so much stock on speakers and what it is that they're going to accomplish. And I don't look at it as you need to change somebody's life. You need to give them all the secrets to success. I look for what are, what are those little nuggets and how is it going to impact the audience? So when, with that in mind, I don't know that I really care if they're, you know, Ivanka Trump speaking to uh, a bunch of consumer electronic people. I think what is, what is the content and is there something here that can be taken away and put into practice in somebody's business life or personal life? And and I do I do always like that balance of it doesn't always have to be business. It doesn't always have to be about about the conference that you're at. And to be successful in this world, you need to balance both of those things. And creating creating a space and an opportunity for a speaker to do that is is the way I think about it. I think that's a really good point, Dustin. I think I think there is a like looking at speakers to say these people possess knowledge and they're quite good at distributing the knowledge um, 
and disseminating the knowledge into people's minds in order for it to stick. The other aspect of it is, is that people who are there to disrupt ways mm -hmm. of thinking and to mm -hmm. challenge those, I think will come with a level of something and you may call it controversial or you may call it, you know, it, it just it isn't something that that person's ready to hear at that time. You know, like the lines between those two things. Like, I think it's probably not actually controversial in that way. I think it's probably just um, their message won't mm -hmm. resonate with people that aren't ready. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen those people, you know, get sort of bad marks and be said like that, you know, that that and then, uh, and you know, the ones and the fives on that. And then I've seen people who are there, you know, specifically to rile people up in order to, you know, create an, an emotional response, um, which, you know, depends on the curriculum. I could take or leave, you know, probably not. I wouldn't have it the whole, you know, the whole product. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that like the way you define controversy, it could be different. I've left a, I've left a, a, a session, whether it's a keynote or a, or a, you know, just a regular good old session. And I've walked out and been like, that was awful. Like, I don't, what the hell was that guy talking about? And, and oh, then I give them a one okay. and then, and then a couple weeks later, after the message kind of goes into practice in the real life, I've gone, holy shit, there it is. It's, it's like, it's there. I, I, it, it takes it sometimes it takes taking that that content and being open minded and letting it resonate. And then when you take it out to the real world, you're like, oh, no, I understand what he's talking about. It's, you know, that's why sometimes I take when we're talking about about the rating, the one and the five and the way you feel the minute you walk out, as opposed to how that message resonates once you're back into your real world. I think those things are often, often different. And, and for that reason, I, I give everybody a fair shake and go at it with an open mind. And, um, and you got to trust that the people that are putting them on that stage are have done their job properly. So um, even when you disagree, well, I mean, when you disagree, that's a great thing. And that, that creates an opportunity. I will say one thing that I did enjoy. Dustin basically, like, ditto Dustin about just the balance of that. Um, Ilea Live in New Orleans did a deep dive. Or the way that they structured uh, giving the audience the choice and to choose their experience. I believe they had, like, four speakers. And it was the topic. So in the, you know the schedule you're looking at it and so i was like oh this is the topic that i'm interested in this is probably what i'm going to but i believe each speaker had like five minutes on stage prior mm -hmm. to us choosing which one we're going to and yeah, i love that because Me i too. ended up choosing someone completely different because of that speaker right. i was like i didn't want to learn about transportation but i guess i'm going to go into logistics and because i wanted That's to hear like this a... specific person i love mm -hmm. that i love that the whoever planned that conference gave the audience a choice and i like right very, now yeah no, go ahead, Will. Uh, I was just going to say it was a very unconference-like thing to do, to do the, the mm -hmm. pre-present sort of thing to convince people to go. Yeah, go was ahead. that Terry, go ahead. I think, that did, did the education on that one? I, I think it think. was, yeah. Hmm. Go Terry. Was, but after, I think that was one of his last ones. Yeah, I, I did the same thing, honestly. I, I really enjoyed the, um, I think it was either Ignite or Pikachu style uh, short abbreviated um, kind of trailer for a presentation that you know either whets your appetite or goes, oh, I don't want this or 
content wise, you're like, I'm not exactly 100% sure on the content, but boy, am I locking in on the speaker, right? And, and that's where a syllabus wouldn't, you know, do it enough justice to know that this person is not going to work for you. Like, I, I, I've known some people who are like, really smart in the events industry who, who put me to like sleep immediately when they open their mouth. And I'm like, I I'm just better reading your stuff than I am, you know, seeing you try to perform because it's just I'm not something you should be doing. Um, so, yeah, from a formatting perspective, I think that you you would potentially have the opportunity to have a bunch of controversial, quote unquote, speakers who, you know, maybe live a little bit on the edge or have a really defined piece as long as you let people kind of choose um you know, to go the way they are, as opposed to looking for the desired result of having a vanilla speaker, you know, speak down the middle. It's like, well, what if we, you know, you did this style that that Tui is remembering uh, being resonant and saying, like, give people an opportunity to see these points of view. So it maybe breaks them out of their echo chamber and um, allows them to choose their own adventure. Like I, I was at a show um, in, in Washington, D.C. last year. And it was a it was it was a very red room. It was a very Republican room, and they had this former DNC chair as a lunch keynote. And it was they they just did a Q and A, and they were basically like calling her and her party to task on things. And it was fascinating because it was like they put the person who thinks exactly opposite of them in the room, and they had a dialogue back and forth. And it was really interesting from a perspective of like. Oh, yeah, they didn't just take one of their own and put them in the room and then just, you know, preach to the choir like they really had a dialogue that was pretty, pretty raw and pretty fun. That's what I was thinking is like the big goal ultimately with these controversial speakers is just, yeah, break people out of echo chambers and give people a different viewpoint. But maybe but not make sure also make sure that's someone who can speak to the topic and is not a non-authority. That'd be like someone trying to hire me to go talk about like biosciences and be like, oh, we're going to get some controversial named Will, but he knows nothing about biosciences. I, I just think it's stunt casting. You know, like mm -hmm. I think that there's people that are maybe sometimes brought on things because they have large platforms and they've gained their large platforms by being controversial, but all they really want is the large platform because they use them as a marketing piece and not as the actual content. And I know a number of shows where I'm looking at the keynote and I'm like, wait a minute, what is this mm -hmm. show about? Why, why, why are they speaking there? And it's because you know right. their name. A lot of times too, like, I think like Gary Vee is a good example of this. Like he used to, Ugh. he used to, I, I, I honestly, there's some things I really love about Gary Vee. There's things I absolutely hate, but like people like it cause he cusses and he's, you know, he's controversial and he'll call people on their shit. But then sometimes I sit there, I'm like. What's really the value that I'm getting that I can't get from you know YouTube or something like I don't know like he sometimes he's controversial conversation yeah I don't know I I agree with him uh, I I liked him for a while and then I got to a point where I'm like he's not talking to me anymore but yeah I agree like he is a person that that is brought on because he's a known quantity and that, like if you want like if you have anything to do with small business or marketing or sales or something like that there's a small group and it's gonna like I don't know how many times in total I've seen. Seth Godin, Simon Sinek, and Gary Vee, but it's been a bunch for all three, and they will continue to be those people because um, they're safe, um, because they're known quantities, and because they bring their own kind of like, um, you know, uh, what do you call it, gravity to them. So like they're they're a marketing move in addition to their, I mean, their content, like Seth Godin especially, is you know good, right? I mean, it's not terrible. Like his is, I, I think, exceptional amongst those three, but. 
more than that, they are a marketing move. Like you invest this much money and you should get this much out of it. So like sometimes controversial speakers, it, it's a PR thing where they're like, look, they have an audience or people will talk about this. And to me, working in experience design, like that's not what I, I care about. I care about the impact on the attendee. And, and like if it's a bait and switch, then I feel bad about it. You know, if I got and, and the retention numbers probably will show that it's not a strong strategy. And it just what's is it worth the sacrifice? Because reading, you know, these articles, it, is it worth it to have those like hashtag boycott like CES going back to Ivanka? Because I think at the end of the day, like it's it is that balance. It is like, OK, well, let's, if, is it worth taking that risk? Because from the females who are, are in the tech industry that, you know, like they're their feedback was it's an insult these are the people like this woman is going to represent us and there's a you know a small amount of us and we're trying to progress and and head towards this direction i think that's it's just figuring out in anything when when you are sourcing that speaker is it okay going back to like the marketing is it a sun stand are we trying to get people more engaged it's just you everyone has to realize okay there's a sacrifice to that and and you know is that in this case was it worth the lack of representation yeah i i think it Ooh, i think it's I worth think it. it i don't think they're gonna i don't think ces is gonna see um a, a speck of damage from this in the in the big picture i think that that the that yeah. i think outrage culture is a flash in the pan and i think we get we get to be upset for a minute and by the time ces rolls around next year we're going to be excited about the new flying robot that makes our coffee and we're going to forget all about this and i think they know that and i think That's they're fair. not a they're not the business that they are because they make uncalculated moves i don't think this is a uh you know one of the largest one of the largest gatherings in the world and with the the biggest and brightest of business and every CEO that matters in the tech industry around the world is making moves that are uncalculated. So you you better believe they, they put a lot of thought to this. And I am sure that boycott CES, the hashtag is ended or ending and you won't see it again. I think you will see it again. I think you'll see it every year for something different. Now it's, now it's, set, the, the, now it's set a bit of a... Um, the eyes are on them now. Precedent for why you should boycott. This isn't yeah. the first time they've had that. Like the Mantle thing brought up the same hashtag. Like literally, this is just an annual thing. It's just they rotate the the problem around. And so, like I was about to like really be like, well, there's one angle where maybe not. Um, like the I I never really like the too big to fail argument because in in a, in a time now where it takes very little to organize and 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 uh, around values and to get people together to create you know change and optics are so important and you know like they they are almost like fashion at this point I think that like there is you know all these like institutions are are all on shaky ground um, regardless of how powerful they are and how smart they are just if it takes like the right kind of like you know it says something if you're not at this thing like if, if the right female founders all put together their own you know show that was like that and then if everyone felt the political pressure of not being involved in that show that i could see that a momentum of uh, a, a parallel show in the u.s to compete with that could potentially come up that said you're right the news cycle is so short you know like yeah, people already forgot and, about and this. in this case this is a this is a male dominated industry as well so it's not it's not like there's this this huge huge but it's a progressive dominated too right so like i agree that it's that but the males do want to 
you know, even even in the most cynical way, look like they're more woke, right? And maybe they are, and probably percentage wise, they probably are higher. So while again, like Google's like, we don't have the workforce, we can prove it to you, but we don't want to stop there. We're going to create the workforce at like age, you know, five and six, and and create these educational. Like we're not just saying, look, this is not our mm-hmm. fault. We didn't inherit the problems. They're like, we're going to d- dig deep and create it. So like, th- this is the same kind of industry that fixes mm-hmm. things right so i don't know i mean honestly but i the one thing that you said that like really resonated with me that changed my mind a lot was yeah people are already on to hating right. the next thing you know so i mean you yeah. could make a calculated risk if you're a really smart pr person to know this will piss off a certain amount of people for a certain amount of radioactivity of time and then it'll just dissipate mm-hmm. to nothing and, no and i think if remember. you're if if you're well, positioning yourself to change so if you're saying yes we we acknowledge that we need to we need to do better and we need to change then then what better way than to than to put such a spotlight on it because the the eyes are going to be on this show to do better next year and to and and my guess is they're going to my guess is they are going to and 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 they're going to actually get noted for doing it as opposed to the 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 quiet pressure that was there before well, Dustin, I think that's a great way to wrap up on a on a happy note uh, rather than us just bashing them. I think you guys bring up a good point that maybe we'll see to the future of CES 2021 where hashtag boycott CES is because someone developed a robot that's going to take over the world. Um, so be prepared, everyone. There will always be one next thing. Um, but uh, we do want to start wrapping this one up, guys. So um, thank you so much, Nick, Dustin, Tui, for, for joining on this lovely conversation about controversial speakers all right guys well we're gonna start wrapping on up so if you are listening to this week's event brew make sure to head on over to eventbrew.com sign up to get the show notes the links to all the resources all the articles that we share that deep dive into this a little bit further transcripts and also if you're listening to this on a platform you don't like that's where all of our links to subscribe are spotify pocket casts all the things right there Speaking of those platforms, make sure to give us a review. We really want to hear from you. Even if you hate us and you want to like totally just knock on us, please give us a review right on the Apple uh, Podcast Store or in Google Play or on Spotify. We want to hear from you. Um, also, if you do really love us, this helps people find our podcast and we want people to uh, you know find out about our controversial topics that we have. So let us know also what you think. Uh, contact us. You can do that two ways on social media, hashtag event brew, or you can also all tag us on our accounts um, and let us know. We love hearing from you. We respond to every comment. I'm impressed. These guys are like so good about staying on top of every single comment you guys send us. But if you also have a specific topic in mind or you have a question that you don't want to necessarily blast out on social media, you can also email us anytime at eventbrew at helloendless.com. We answer every email that we get. So please send it on in. We want to hear from you. And, uh, Thanks, everybody, uh, for listening. Uh, This has been Event Brew. Signing on out. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. See you next time on Event Brew.